0: Well, good morning. Let me say it is awesome to have you here for week number two of our series that we're calling "Stop Acting Like a Christian." If you're a guest, let me say we're honored to have you here. If you're listening uh, by way of our website or our podcast, it's great to have you join us as well. Um, this series is—it's uh, a look at what it means to be a Christian, essentially. And I think that so many times in the church world we get things backwards because we put some pressure on ourselves to act certain ways that aren't necessarily true of who a Christian is. And we also buy into the myth that in acting that way, it makes us a better Christian. And so, I don't know if you've ever done this. I've done this. I'm, I'm guilty, and I'll admit that I've looked at people before, and I have had thoughts like, they're not a great Christian. Like, they might, they might claim to be a Christian, they might go to church, but they're not a great Christian. But I can look at other people and say, man, they are a great Christian. I mean, they have... Everything together. And it's almost like in my mind, I put this performance evaluation on what it means to be a Christian and I judge people based on their actions instead of judging them the way Jesus does, which is by the heart, which by the way, I can't see and you can't see. Now we can see the results and the actions that flow from the heart and so we can inspect fruit as Bible teaches us to, but it's important for us to understand the difference between acting like a Christian and being a Christian. And so today, I hope to do a good job of maybe clarifying some things in your mind. Um, And I also don't want to assume that everyone here is a Christian or claims to follow Jesus, Uh, which, by the way, this is a church where you don't have to uh, fit a certain mold in order to be here. So if you're here and maybe you're skeptical of church and someone just talked you into being here, or maybe you're here and, and you're skeptical of Christians and you might not even like Christians, um, I can understand that to some degree. Uh, I just want to give you permission just to, to kind of sit back and, and just observe today. And hopefully you'll learn something in the process. Um, I want to start by asking this question. Have you ever looked at a group of people or a person or a situation or a circumstance, and and you thought that it was something worth uh, attaining to, something pursuing. And once you got there, it wasn't everything that you thought it would be. Uh, Let me kind of go really elementary on you here. I remember being an elementary student and going to high school football games. And I remember thinking that those high school football players were just huge heroes. I mean, they were just incredible, incredible people. And then when I got into high school and I was friends with those huge, incredible people, I was like, well, they're not so incredible after all. They're just, they're just normal, right? And then I can remember going off to college and I looked back on those same high school football players and I thought, they're actually kind of like small and they're not really that impressive at all. What changed was my perspective of what it meant to be a certain person or type of person. Now, if you grew up in church and from an early age you knew Christians and you knew what it was to be a Christian and you were taught what it meant to be a Christian, uh, then perhaps in your mind you thought that being a Christian was something that was difficult. And you thought, man, I've got to work really, really hard to be a good Christian. I mean, there are some people in my church that... I just admire, and they are incredible, incredible followers of Jesus. And then maybe as you grew older and maybe you committed your life and you became a Christian yourself, you realized, you know, what they were uh, looked different in my mind than what I realize now. But somehow we still kind of want to put this twist on what it means to be a Christian to where we put pressure on ourselves to be something that we don't realize we are in the moment. But maybe there's some of you here, maybe you didn't grow up in church, and maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian home, and maybe you uh, don't particularly respect or look up to Christians. Uh, perhaps maybe you grew up with an understanding that to be Christian meant that you had to live an extremely boring life, that there were a lot of rules that you had to follow, and that there was no fun in being a Christian. And so maybe for you church wasn't a part of your uh, childhood, maybe it wasn't a part of your uh, life even up to this point, and maybe you just view Christians as irrelevant to society, weak minded people who just need a crutch to lean on because they can't stand for themselves. And my prayer for you, if that's your case, is that throughout this series, your mind will be transformed and you'll understand that being a Christian is a lot different than the way you perceive Christians in some ways. But I do want to legitimize some of your concerns because I think that in the church world, we have done, I don't want to say a bad job, but we have done a job of giving a perception to our world of what it means to be a Christian. And to a lot of people, it's not an attractive place to be in life. And there's a lot of people that look to Christians, they look into church world, and they don't necessarily aspire to be what they're seeing. In fact, some people hate Christians. Uh, Some people think that Christians are hypocrites. They think that they're judgmental. They think that they're just finger pointers and they just look for the bad in other people. And unfortunately, some of that has taken place in the church world. And so if you're here in that boat, I want to apologize to you and just say that that's not what it means to be a Christian is to look down at people who aren't as good as you, So, all that being said, let me take a few minutes this morning and uh, just kind of go to some scriptures. We're going to read a good bit of scripture today and just help you understand and see the difference between acting like a Christian and being a Christian and hopefully, hopefully it'll be Helpful to some degree. Uh, I want to start by reading a passage in John chapter 17. Uh, The book of John um, is one of the books of the Bible called the Gospels. It tells the story of Jesus. It was written by one of Jesus' closest disciples. Um, His name was John, in case you were wondering. And so he wrote uh, of the account of Jesus and things that happened in his life to some degrees. Now, what we're going to read today is a prayer that Jesus prayed before he was... Taken and arrested and crucified and ultimately gave his life for all of us, for all of humanity. And he says a prayer concerning his disciples, his closest followers. And I want to listen, I want you to listen to a portion of this prayer. This is John chapter 17, verse number 14. It says, I have given them your word, and the word has hated and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Now listen to this, this is an important phrase. Jesus is praying to God in regards to his closest followers, his disciples, which I believe is still relevant to us. He's praying this prayer even over us, I would believe. And he says, "I have I have given them your world, your word, and the world has hated them." But he says, "They are not of the world any more than I am of the world." Okay? Verse number 15 says, "My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Okay, so Jesus' prayer concerning Christians, concerning followers of Christ, concerning his disciples, is not that that God would remove them from the world, but that he would protect them from the evil one in the world. Verse number 16, They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth, and then important prayer he prays here, As you sent me into the world... I have sent them into the world. So Jesus prays over his disciples and says, have you sent me into the world, send them into the world, but help them to understand and get a grip on the reality that they are not of the world. They're not of the world. Out of this prayer um, in the church world has become a common phrase that says we as Christians are to be in the world, but not of the world. Because Jesus prayed, not that God would take us out of the world, which means we should be in the world, but to help us understand that we're not of the world. And this is, in my opinion, a phrase that the church has adopted but has used incorrectly for a a lot of years. And I think that this perhaps is a reason that some people do have bad opinions of Christians who look at Christians as if they're, Living a lifestyle that's unattractive, that doesn't offer them anything, but simply requires something for them. Now, let me, let me kind of try to help us understand this. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. And so, in some respects, there's been a pendulum in the church world that has swung out here that says, we're not supposed to be of the world And because we're not supposed to be of the world, we're going to teach our people that they have to look differently from the world, okay? And so there's been a lot of emphasis. There's been a lot of teaching surrounding the way Christians look, the way they present themselves, uh, surrounding their behaviors, uh, the way they act, because that's what's seen of the world. And it's almost been this like banner that flies that says, you know, running down the street, you know, I'm not of the world. Like, look at me, I'm different. And so there's been a lot of, like, in the church world teaching, like, you know, no tattoos. You know, there's, there's some churches that teach, you know, you know women should, should not wear pants. You know, that they shouldn't cut their hair, that they shouldn't wear makeup, uh, that there's certain actions and looks and appearances that are required in, in order not to be of the world. Okay, and I want you to know that that's been a pendulum that has has swung a little past Jesus' instructions to us. Okay, let me, let me give you an example. Um, and, and please don't, I hope that I don't come across as, as judgmental. Uh, if you know someone or if you have some convictions, this is the statements I'm about to make aren't intended to be directed at people with convictions. Do you understand what a conviction is? A conviction is something that you feel led of the Holy Spirit to apply to your life or not to apply to your life. It's not clearly outlined in Scripture. Okay, so, you know, Scripture, you know, may not specifically address something, but you just have a strong conviction. I want to honor God with my life, so I'm not going to do that, okay? Um, As a student pastor for eight years um, in in a county next to us, um, I had interactions with students at some schools that were part of a denomination uh, that loved Jesus Godly denomination, but one of the things that they taught was that um, the way men and women appeared was really important, okay? And so women weren't supposed to cut hair, uh, weren't supposed to wear makeup, weren't allowed to wear um, pants, Uh, guys weren't allowed to wear shorts, okay? Okay. And so I can remember, I can remember just some of my students coming to me and saying, you know, I I don't understand some of those rules. Why do they do some of those things? And just trying to explain, those are some convictions that that they're applying, uh, but they aren't outlined in scripture clearly, don't feel like that's something that you have to do to be a Christian. And so in in those conversations, uh, one of the students from that church became friends with some students in our church and would come to some of our events. And I can remember playing basketball with a group of students. This student was one. Now... Uh, These students, the guys weren't allowed to wear shorts, and so these students would wear pants. Even during high school basketball, they would get special pants made to play basketball. And listen, I respect, I respect, I respect them, okay? Please don't take this harshly. But I remember the day that we were playing basketball, and this young, young man had on pants playing basketball because that was considered modest for a man. But then he took his shirt off. And he was playing basketball with pants on, but no shirt. And I just got a little confused for a minute. I was like, is it the legs that women are attracted to? Like, <laughs> And then there would be softball games where the, the women would play, and, and again, please. And they would wear skirts that had shorts built in so that they were more modest, but they would only be to their knees. And I was just like, I feel like women's legs from the knee down are more attractive than men's, but I was just, you see, I just, I was a little confused on the teaching, because it's not clearly outlined in scripture, but it was widely adhered to, and so what confused me definitely confused people around the world, and they would make statements about this group of people, which disturbed me. They would make statements to me, people um, out in town and I would defend this, this church, this group of people, because they have a right to live out their faith how they choose to. Okay, and so I'm not condemning them, but what I'm saying is, in an effort to please God, perhaps the pendulum can swing too far to where to where we say we don't want to be of the world, but in reality, we're saying let's get out of the world. Okay? Let's not look anything like the world. We don't want to be confused with the world. Okay, we won't. We won't dress like the world. We won't. We won't look like the world. We won't go to places the world goes. We won't um, do some things the world does. And and so the truth is, the truth is, behavior modification isn't Jesus' sole concern for our lives. Like he didn't die on a cross to make us behave a certain way. Okay, And I want you to understand this, so let me me read some scriptures to you. This is Mark chapter number 7, starting in verse number 20. Um, uh, Jesus says, uh, he went on, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. It comes from the inside, out of a man. That's what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts. How many times have you seen someone's evil thought? Yeah, me either. Come sexual immorality. How many times is sexual immorality unseen to people around us? Come theft. You say, well, I don't, I don't steal anything unless we talk about taxes. Comes murder. You say, well, I definitely don't murder people. But perhaps you've thought about it. Comes adultery. Adultery you're like, well, I don't sleep with other people's spouses. But Jesus himself said that if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Changes the scale for all of us. Verse 22, greed. Can a Christian struggle with greed but yet look different from the world? Absolutely. Malice, deceit, lewdness, which is driven by sexual desire, envy, Slander, arrogance, folly, all of these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Listen, it is, it is highly possible that we can focus on not looking like the world. And in reality, we can be removing ourselves from the world. We're now out of the world, but we're still of the world if we're struggling with things that the world struggles with. Do you see the dichotomy? We're Christians, we say we want to be in the world but not of the world and, and in focusing on not being of the world we focus on the external parts of life. And the external, external part of life a lot of times is what makes us not be of the world. We're actually in the world but we're still of the world if we're struggling with greed and impurity of thoughts and a host of things that Jesus himself named. Do you see how we get it backwards sometimes when we focus on the external? Let's, let's go on and read Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. It says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sinful nature, what we don't see on the inside. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, putting anything in priority over God, and witchcraft, Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What God sees as most important is our heart, our intentions, our motives, the condition of our spirit, which is unseen to the world. And we can focus on behavior modification and say, I'm not going to look like the world. I'm not going to do the things of the world. And in essence, we can disconnect ourselves from the world so that we'd have no influence with them. And we can look completely different, which doesn't make us not of the world. It makes us out of the world. And we can still be of the world. We just don't look like them. We're just out of it. And I think that there's been a lot of teaching that has misled a lot of people to believe that Behavior modification, the things on the outside, trump what's most important in Jesus' eyes. And that's that we have a relationship with him that transforms us from the inside out. Jesus prayed specifically that God wouldn't remove us from the world. He wants us to be in the world. He doesn't want us to sin with the world, and he doesn't want us to necessarily like party and partake in all the things that the world does. But he doesn't require that we remove ourselves from the world. In fact, Jesus did just the opposite. He was condemned by the religious people for eating with sinners, with tax collectors who were despised in that culture. He went to people's homes, and he had conversations with people that the religious people had removed themselves from. And he showed us in his prayer that he wanted us to be sent as he was sent into the world. So our focus isn't to remove ourselves from the world because we want to not be of the world. But it's to understand that we're not of the world because we grow spiritually. And Jesus changes us from the inside out. But we are to be in the world. Luke chapter 15 is. It's one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible and it tells three stories of a, a lost sheep, of a lost coin, and a lost son and it basically shares the heart of God that we are to be searching for lost people. That he cares about those who are lost and if we're so concerned with removing ourselves from the lost, then how can we have an impact in finding them? We have it backwards sometimes. Now, in saying this, I don't want to give the impression to you that behavior isn't important. That the way you act isn't important. In fact, writers of the New Testament give us in-depth instructions on things we should do and should not do. Okay? I want to read for you Titus, chapter number 2, verses 11 through 14. Titus writes, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. All men have seen the grace of God appear to them. Verse 12, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. Did you catch the underlying premise of us doing what God wants? It's his grace. It's his grace that transforms us. It's not it's not our effort alone. It's not the level of discipline that we bring to our faith. It's not a matter of trying harder and and being better and abstaining from enough bad to be who God wants us to be. It's about receiving God's grace. And the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest followers of Christ, wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And old things are gone and all things have become new. And this is a picture of what it means to be a Christian. It's to receive the righteousness of God. It's to trade in our sinful nature for a godly nature. It's to allow Jesus to do in us and through us what we can never do for ourselves. And it's to give us a freedom to stop living our lives based on rules and regulations in an effort to please God. It's an understanding that he's done for us what we can't do for ourselves and based on receiving that grace we allow him to change us and mold us in who he wants us to be so that we can be in the world and impact the world and to make a difference in the lives of those people in our world without being of the world. I just think that we have a tendency to lean towards behavior modification and assume that that's all that Christianity is, and it's just not. It's just not. It's just not. So with that being said, let me tell you, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, if you have accepted the free gift of salvation that's available to all men, who you are as a Christian, and hopefully I can can help you understand that that Christian isn 't something that you have to aspire to be it 's not something that 's out of your reach it 's not something that you have to look up to and say i don 't know if i 'll ever get there like someone else in my life has, but it 'll help you have confidence and say, "You know what? I am what I always thought i couldn 't be by the grace of God. Matthew chapter five is uh, it 's a passage that uh, it's come to be known as the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. It's a, it's a teaching that Jesus gives us that's been recorded by Matthew. And um, in part of this passage, Jesus speaks directly to who we are as followers of, of Christ, as, followers, as his followers. Um, it teaches us the impact that we have in our world by simply being who we are and not necessarily trying and acting and playing a role. Like sometimes we feel a tendency to do. And he reminds us that being a Christian is, is less about doing and more about being. A Christian isn't something you do. It's, it's not activity. It's an identity. It's who you are. It's what Jesus has done and we received. And now we get to be based on what he's done and not what we do. So Matthew chapter number 5, starting in verse number 13. Jesus says to you, if you are a follower of Christ, if you claim to to want to be someone who honors God with your life and, and and to surrender who you are to who he wants for you, Jesus says you are, not you can be and not if you do the right things, he says you are the salt of the earth. I bet some of you love salt. I know some of you probably put salt on a lot of different types of food. Salt is an agent of change. Okay? When you add salt to something, it changes the taste. Okay? It doesn't have to try to change the taste, it does, unless the salt has gone bad and lost its saltiness. And then it's. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. So if salt is salt and it's worth anything, it's an agent of change. And Jesus says to me and he says to you, you are an agent of change. And anyone or anything that you come in contact with should be affected by you. It should, t- change, it should change the taste. It should change the circumstance. It should change the condition. That you in who you are, are the salt of the earth. Here's what what gets me about us Christians when we read the Bible. We read statements like, you are healed, and we're like, I claim that, I claim that. You know, you are blessed. I claim that, I claim that. But when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, we don't see it as a promise. We see it as a responsibility, right? And we say, oh, I got to go out and sprinkle everybody. You know, something I got to do. You know, oh, they need some salt. Oh, they need some salt. But it's a promise. Jesus says, hey, if you're a follower of mine, you are the salt of the earth. Who you are makes a difference in your world. It's not something you have to do. It's who you are. It's the power of being instead of doing. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. He goes on and says, you are the light of the world. Light is another agent of change. In the darkness, light changes things. Things are no longer dark in the light. You can't have light in darkness and darkness not flee. It has to. It's an agent of change. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Notice what he doesn't say. Go around shining your light at people. You know, shine, shine, shine. He doesn't say, shine your light. He says, let your light shine. You are the light of the world. You are an agent of change. As the Father has sent me into the world, I'm sending you into the world, and I'm telling you that you're salt. I'm telling you that you're light. I'm telling you that you're an agent of change. And if you'll just be yourself, you'll make a difference. You'll see change around you. You'll partake in the mission of which I've called you. You're the light of the world. I I just think that this is incredible news for me, that just, it takes so much pressure away from my life to feel like I've got to do things that please God, that I have responsibilities that define my relationship with Jesus. You know that rules without relationship, that's what's called legalism. And that's what dominates a lot of churches. is a bunch of rules that aren't based on a relationship. And rules without relationship, it's legalism. And so I want you to understand that being a Christian isn't about doing. It's about being. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. In a dark world, in an unsalted world, you are the means by which God desires to bring change. And he didn't rescue you from the mess of your life so that you could hang a, a, a certificate on your wall. You know, like I've got a certificate that's not even on my wall that says I graduated from high school, says I graduated from college. I don't even know where they are, to be honest with you. Some of you have them posted, though, and it's like, hey, I'm a graduate. It's not a Christian. It's not like I get a certificate. Hey, if you ever come over and look at my office, you'll see that, hey, I'm a Christian. You know, pretty cool. Something I did once. It's about being. It's a constant relationship that drives who we are in Christ. First Peter chapter 2, verse nine. But you, speaking to the church, speaking to you and me, if you claim to follow Christ, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That's who you are. You belong to God. You're different. You're chosen. He has set you apart. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The reason that you belong to God, the reason that he chose you, the reason that he transformed your life and made you new, was that you may now declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Christian, we are agents of change. And who we are makes a difference in our worlds. And we have a calling, not a certificate, not an achievement. We have a calling that's based on relationship with Jesus to bring change into a dark world, to be salt into unsalted areas in our lives. So here's the question that I want to ask you as we end our time together. What reality are you living your life in? What reality do you stand in when it comes to you calling yourself a Christian? Because far too many times we forget that being Christian changes who we are. And we think it just changes what we do. And so we still have an old person mindset, our old in the past, who God rescued us from, we still have that mindset. And we're like, i gotta, I got to stop doing these things and start doing those things. i gotta, I got to break free from these things that I know I'm not supposed to do. And i got to start doing those things. And it's time to leave that past behind and stand in who you are and say, You know what? I am the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a chosen people. I belong to God. I'm a child of the king. I am not who I once was. I am a child of the King, and standing here allows me to say, those are things I used to struggle with, and I may still struggle with them from time to time, but I am victorious over my past because I've been rescued from my past. And I don't have a responsibility to stop doing those things. I have a responsibility to start being who God's called me to be. What reality are you living in? Are you still living in your old reality, longing to be who God's already called you to be or are you standing in the truth of who God's called you to be focused on what you are and not what you're to do and when you do that and it's based on a relationship with Jesus Christ and you get to know him and you talk to him and he speaks to you you begin to grow it's called maturity and you progress from being a baby in Christ to being mature in Christ and the things that you once struggled with or did you You grow out of that if you have a healthy relationship with Jesus. And so you don't beat yourself up every time you make a mistake or you have a struggle. You just remind yourself, that's not who I am. I'm not going back there. I've been freed from that. And now I have the awesome opportunity of standing in the truth of who God has made me. And I can bring change to the world around me. I can bring change to the world around me. And so here's Here's my challenge for you. For those who call yourselves a Christian, are you standing in the reality of who you are? Are you letting your light shine? Are you allowing your life to salt your world? Or are you trying to hide your light? That's the temptation that we have. It's because when we're in the world... And we bring change, some people don't like that change, and we feel like you know i I need to kind of hide this because some people don't they don't want to change, and you know I don't want to force anything on them. Are you proud of who you are in Christ next Sunday? I get told from from time to time, and I've heard other preachers say this, that, that when they preach certain sermons, people come to them and say, I wish I'd have known you were going to preach that sermon because I would have invited someone who needed to hear it. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach one of those sermons. And from a, from a basic standpoint, I'm going, to, I'm going to teach what it means to be a Christian and how to become a Christian. And it's not going to be some flaky religious rhetoric. It's just going to be truth that's based on God's Word it's going to help people understand that God wants to rescue them from the reality that they live in. And I would love for us to have a lot of people here who need to be rescued from the life that they live in instead of having a room that's full of Christians who don't need what I'm going to be teaching about. And so I want to challenge you as light, as salt, this week to make a personal invitation to at least one person and say, you know, not, hey, my pastor's going to teach what it means to be a Christian, and I think you need to be a Christian, so would you come to my church because you really need it, and I think it would really help you out a lot. And yeah, probably not going to work, but just, hey, man, would, would you come to my church? We're going to have a great day. I think you'd love it. And take away any excuse that they have. I'll come pick you up, and I'll take you to lunch afterwards. What's it going to take? What's it going to take for me to get you to come to my church? You'll love it. It's not what you think. You'll love it. Great music. You don't have to dress up. No expectations. It's just a great day. And my prayer is that if we'll get them here, that God will do in their life what only God can do for them. But we as Christians have to understand that who we are involves a passion for the lost, being participating in God's mission and helping bring change to the world around us. We simply at Synergy Church believe that we have a greater impact when we work together. And so next Sunday, I want to challenge you to bring someone with you who needs to hear the message and the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And then for those of you who may be here and you may not buy into the whole God thing, you may not have bought into the whole church thing, you may not have bought into the whole Jesus thing yet, I just simply want to ask you a question before we end our time together. How's your reality? Because if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, then the reality you live in is not a fulfilling reality. And I just want to say to you that there's hope for your life that comes from surrendering, not doing. And you may have heard, you got to do this and you can't do that. Big checklists. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. And I simply want to say to you that becoming a Christian isn't about doing all the right things. It's actually about surrendering who you are so that you can receive and become who God wants you to be. As we end our time together, I just want to ask us all to bow our heads and close our eyes. And if that's you and you're here today and you say, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus... I've never actually even heard that it's, not that it's not about doing things. And I've always thought I had to do things to become a Christian in order for God to love me. And today, maybe you just heard that it's about being who God wants you to be. And God wants to make you brand new. He wants to change your reality. He wants to extend a grace to you that will make you a Christian. And all you have to do is surrender your life to him and accept the gift of Jesus for your life. And if you're here and you just say, that's me, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus, but today I would love to do that. Would you just raise your hand? Can I just see your hand? No one's looking around. I'm not going to make you come up front. I'm not going to embarrass you in front of anyone here. But if that's you, just just raise your hand. I just want to lead you in a quick prayer, a prayer of surrender to accept what Jesus has done for our lives. If this is you and you've never prayed this prayer, then you just pray this in your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to rescue me from myself, to make me a new creation. Please forgive me of my sin and my shortcomings. I accept Jesus as my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.